Hi, this is Reese Roper, and you're listening to our newest podcast ever. Hey, everybody, this is Andrew and John, and we love this podcast because it's about us. Welcome to Magnify Pod, the second season, our newest podcast ever. And the end may be near, but we're nowhere near done. <laughs> I'm Andrew. I'm John. And this is our podcast. Yeah. And we're back for um, sort of a somber-esque episode yeah. mm-hmm. you know john there's some things that we have in store for this episode that i haven't really talked to you about <laughs> mm. so somber things well just in relation to the five uh mm. in relation to the game that we're gonna play in a little bit okay um top five I mean, funerals <laughs> I <can't say. laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna be you know, just just name name the <laughs> name the day this person died. Um, no, but there. This is a this is when you were talking about things ending. Um, yeah. So uh, people didn't know the future of Five Iron. This true. is this. I mean, in hindsight, you know, for people like us that we were fans for like some of the core years of the band, right. And, you know, I, I, for me, this, this kind of, this tour kind of, uh, kind of passed me by. I was going to ask if you went to it. I did not. Yeah, I did. So we're talking about the Winners Never Quit tour, um, which we'll get into more next week when we get to the end is here, the live album. But they announced that they were breaking up in early 2003. Um, and then they planned the Winter ne- Winners Never Quit tour uh, with Bleach and Holland and Cameron James. And then uh, Holland swapped with Reliant K for the final show. Um, but I did see them at one of the last shows. So that, that final show was on November 22nd, 2003. And I saw them uh, November 16th in Elgin, Illinois at Judson mm. College. Mm. <laughs> And uh, classic ska venue. That's right. All the greats played Judson. <laughs> Talking skamikaze. Uh, but I think I, I've mentioned in previous episodes why I was uh, able to be security for <laughs> their show right. at our alma mater. I think I was security at this one too. But it all kind of blurs together. But yeah, it definitely felt. You know, reading that announcement, hearing this album, going to that show, it all felt very final. And yeah. Um, it was sad. I respected the way that they approached it very intentionally, which, you know, we'll get into with the album. Um, but it, there did feel like a finality to it. Um, and now looking back, it's kind of bittersweet because, you know, they will be returning, but they were definitely approaching it as if it were sort of a funeral. <laughs> so. Right, right. So for for those wondering, um, so this episode, we are only covering... The End Is Near mm-hmm. album, the 13 songs plus the Cross of St. Andrew uh, bonus track. Next yep. week, we're going to be covering The End Is Here, the live album, and um, with the hopes of a special guest to mm-hmm. talk about talk about that album. 
Yeah. So um, for those who left voicemails uh, talking about the final show and people sharing those memories, we're going to get to most of that on next week's episode when we are kind of fully diving into the the finality of the first run of Five yeah. Iron. The yeah. Sure. Season one. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, if people have not uh, gotten a chance to leave a voicemail or send an email or comment on the social meds, uh, feel free to do that. Yeah, um, there's still time. The step. Yep. Yeah. You know, John, I feel like we um, we jumped in pretty quick. <laughs> we did. Uh, we <laughs> didn't unusual. even. That is un- that is unusual. Um, not so unusual. Uh, nope. <laughs> Your favorite song. <laughs> um, so first off. Um, I got a little shit last week from Danny Stairs. Uh, mm. He texted me um, and gave me shit about my my appreciation for Trader Joe's single malt scotch. <laughs> oh, so that. I mean, Fancy he boy. well, well, he does he does enjoy a a top shelf bourbon, of course. I, who doesn't enjoy top shelf bourbon? Sure. I'm 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 enjoying some like. L- low middle shelf bourbon right now <laughs> tonight yeah tonight uh, makes me want to oh nice crack let's, open something that's not a bourbon sadly let's hear it let's, um, yes what do you got there got a, a new belgium voodoo ranger all right that's yeah. a ipa that's right little skeleton guy doing that's his right. thing yeah i'm drinking i think i'm drinking um i think i'm drinking some bullet bourbon Hey, nothing wrong with that. No, it's nothing wrong with that. You know, I spend, it's like I can break the bank on yeah. spending six, 50 or $60 on a bottle of Koval every, like, like right. uh, you know, every couple of weeks, which is like, maybe I shouldn't be drinking that much bourbon. <laughs> That's a but, topic for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, I have been making cocktails for people Ooh, lately. So been make, making some old fashions. You know, yeah. this my jam. You know, this I, my jam. Very down. Um, but, but, uh, you know, bullet, um, let's, uh, send us some, send us some, <laughs> Ooh, that's a good idea. Free bourbon. Um, we will drink it all the time. Yep. Uh, John, I have some news because I don't think I've shared this with you. Maybe I have, mm. um, but uh, one of the reasons we were both running a little bit behind tonight, uh-huh. and one of the reasons was because I had an appointment after work to get a tattoo. Whoa! Yes, what you got? So, um, I got the um, Operation Ivy Ooh. logo. Oh man! Let me see if I can. I can text you a picture of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's see if I can just at least show it on camera. Oh man, that looks dope, dude. Nice work. Right? Nice work to the tattoo artist as well. Yeah, uh, he crushed it. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna text this to you right now so you can get a better yes, angle. Please. But we should say it's on your butt. It's on my butt. Um, <laughs> he's so you know the jumping guy. He's sort of jumping out of my butt crack. It just it, it's like <laughs> he's just like tearing out. That typical, um, <laughs> you've seen it a thousand times. You've seen it a thousand. Yeah. I know it's it's just it's at this point it's very yeah, cliche. Man. 
That looks dope. It looks like it's been on you for like a long time already. Well, it's uh, it's all wrapped. Um, it's wrapped up right now, but I had him take that picture right before. Yeah, so um, cool. Yeah, but there are bigger plans uh, mm. for this. So, you know, there is a, a version of the cover art that has sort of those like yeah, yeah. kind of like mystical images surrounding it. Yeah. And I'm going to like, there's a like kind of a tree and like a, an eye and a, and a pool cue. And, um, cool. and so you getting a sleeve, bro. I'm going to, I'm going to incorporate some of that around it. Uh, cool. I can't, there's too much of the, there's too much of the, of that cover to like fit all, you know, I don't have like Dave Batista arms or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> I need to, I need to have, uh, so I'm, I'm going to just kind of, try to incorporate some of those images to make it kind of a more cool. com- complete looking uh, picture. We should uh, say that this is also the announcement of uh, Pot Ivy, our new season three. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk one album. <laughs> the shortest. <laughs> I mean, that should just be, that should just be its own episode. I mean, that. Probably that, should. I don't know if we'll have much uh, new ground to break there, but I would like to listen to it. Talk uh, about it. I mean, I, it's, it's, it was such a it's such a significant album in yeah. in the in the scheme of third wave ska ska punk and just a yeah. an album for me that was such a big deal when I was in middle school. One hundo agree. One hundo. So send us uh, send us your Operation IV tattoos. Um, yes, please. So I think we should say that you're saving room for the five iron five. Uh, <laughs> hashtag whatever that thing is called what do you call this uh, oh like the roman numerals like tally mark yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah you'll yeah. save some room on your arm for when they roll into town next and you'll get a pre-show tattoo as you did with mxpx and, that's uh, ex- exactly right so yeah um i might i mean i i think that's i think that's kind of a cool i think it's kind of a cool logo i wouldn't mind um i might just have to have like one arm that's like fully ska <laughs> <laughs> one for ska and one for punk that would that's be right. it <laughs> well i mean unfortunately i have i have a um punk on two arms that's true that's true so, but i can wow. i can um i i guess i'll uh, i'll just have to call an audible and <laughs> make this make my right arm my ska arm my scarm if you will <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect execution um and then, of course, you're going to save uh, your chest for metal. So, if, yeah, I mean that's if that, that is the most metal place. I think. <laughs> yes. Just, gotta, if oh, I'm beating, if I'm beating my chest, you know, I got so I got I got my scarm, I got my <laughs> my my metal chest, my mest, my punk arm, my my parm. You know, <laughs> gotta have that parm. My, my, um, my parm, my parm, my <laughs> Hashtag parm, hashtag scarm. Um, I've never mentioned this. Uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned him at all on the pod, but my brother-in-law is a big metal guy and he's oh, got, yeah? he's got a big tattoo on his chest that says death to the wicked. <laughs> Whoa. Metal writing with a skull with like a biohazard mask on. That's oh, uh, that, that is, is metal AF. <laughs> that is metal AF indeed. Yeah. So um, is this a, we don't, we don't need to like, <laughs> get into the specifics of your brother-in-law's uh, uh, theological perspectives. But I mean, is this like, does this come out of any particular 
Hard to say. Hard to say. <laughs> he's uh he's in the army. Um, okay. Okay. There's something with that maybe going. I don't know. He's a pretty thoughtful dude. We should get him on the pot at some point. Yeah. Uh, definitely at heart and soul many a night. Oh, uh, nice, 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 so. nice. Anyway, we've talked about heart and soul before on the pod. <laughs> For anybody Have who we? doesn't know what we're referencing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh man. Um, what are we talking about? Danny Stairs, Danny liquor. Stairs, liquor. <laughs> no. Yeah, let's. Should we? Uh, speaking of of Danny Stairs, uh-huh. it's uh, it's Danny Corner. <laughs> it's Danny Corner. So we made a we made an announcement at the top of the show last week. What's up, guys? Your boy Danny Stairs just called to see if I'm one of the first ten callers uh, trying to get that lifetime supply of mayonnaise tacos. Uh, hit me up if I am. Mac Pop for life, baby. Um, sorry to say, uh, uh, Danny, I think, uh, I think Danny Leary mm. and Ryan Cole maybe beat you out with, um, uh, with the, with the amount of voicemails they left before your first call. It's true. So, he no longer has a monopoly on voicemails. Uh, that is, that is true. Starting with the next episode. Yep. Sorry guys. Um, uh, Ryan and Danny Leary, please come uh, to either Minneapolis <laughs> or Palatine, Illinois, to collect mm-hmm. your mayonnaise tacos. Yes, I will begin making them tonight. <laughs> um, so there, there are a couple things that I need to mention uh, again, just for the people, the, to remind the people about our voicemail system. So. Uh, all the voicemails go through Google Voice. And so one of the, the, the services that Google, I'm, I'll put services in heavy quotes <laughs> that Google Voice provides is a rough, and I mean rough, <laughs> translation to what your voicemail says. Right. And for Danny Stairs, historically, <laughs> this is where... This is where the joke <laughs> about nicknames, yeah. the nicknames came from about him living under the stairs. <laughs> it's and it's your boy under the stairs. It's your boy under the stairs. This is dad. Jordan, this is dad, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's it, a very bad translation, but this one that he left uh, has some of my, has some of my favorite. What's up, bitches? Your boy Danny Stairs. I uh, call him with a question. I forgot to call last week with this one. Now that you've had him on the pod, you've talked to him, and now this week you say he's got forever place in your heart, I want to know, can you finally move Cravac uh, back to the top spot? Uh, because you had some you know, some preferences for some of the older, less good, less polished MXPS work, and you know, I believe you guys are both moonheads. I'd like <laughs> to make you a couple of Cravac kids. So join me as a Cravac kid, but you do have to revoke your moonhead status. Give me, give me, hit me up with that info because I, I gotta know. Fans want to know because <laughs> I think that you guys have had a change of heart, and I want to see you make the right decision here. Back pop for life, John. This is um, <sighs> this a tough is one. It's a real Sophie's choice over here. It's, yeah. So first off, I take issue with the <laughs> the if you want to say talk about teenage politics as being less less <laughs> polished. Yeah. One hundred percent. I'll take I'll take that it's certainly less polished than their later records. Uh less good. Mm, uh I false. will <laughs> that is hashtag <laughs> fake news and I false fiction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is false fiction that we're not believing. 
Right. Uh, yeah. So, John, what do you what do you think about this? Uh, you know, two, two self-proclaimed moonheads. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I well, a I forgot that we also had cravat kids as one of our uh, things. <laughs> yeah. We should have brought that up with Steve. That's true. Um, you know, I uh, I'll never turn in my moonhead uh, card or my giant uh, moon helmet that I wear as an official <laughs> moonhead. Um, Teenage politics is just too close to my heart to right. uh, to revoke my moonhead status. But uh, the same. You know, I'll always be. Uh, I'll always be a cravat kid in my in my soul <laughs> and a moonhead <laughs> in my heart. <laughs> there it is. Yeah, that's uh, that we will we will um in in the, in a way that we that um Voldemort um <laughs> makes I'll horcruxes. A, yeah. <laughs> he makes we're splitting our souls like horcruxes <laughs> into um no, no that that's that's maybe a little a little too dark. Um, so to answer your question, Danny, uh, we reject the premise. <laughs> I don't and... understand the question and I won't respond to it. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So this is where the pure comedy of Google voice comes in. Um, so, uh, first off it says, what's that business? Is your boyfriend calling with a question? Uh, <laughs> Yes, I guess he is. But mm-hmm. the best part, uh, moonheads is translated as boonheads. But <laughs> the best part is it translates um, <laughs> cravat kids as crackheads. So, <laughs> so it says, so join me as a crackhead. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. This is I, really great. There's so yeah. much good stuff here. Yeah, this is – it's – there's all of these voicemails, uh, um, but basically, Danny, I'm, I'm a little concerned uh, about your crackhead status. Yeah, you know, yeah. We might we might be moonheads, but right, yeah. Moonhead, fine. Cravat kid, great. Uh, Boonhead, you know the <laughs> Daniel Boone stands out there, loving <laughs> those <right>. pioneers. Um, <laughs> Love it. Got to got to get that coonskin hat. I gotta guess. Got to get it. Um, but crackhead, I don't know. I don't know. That's a little, it's a little questionable. (laughs) Um, Oh, here we go. We have a Jason from Atlanta wanted to talk about, talk about cheeses here for a second. Jason from Atlanta again. So I want to say cheeses of Nazareth was my first experience of kind of being a hipster of sorts. Um, On the tour for Five Iron Frenzy 2 Electric Boogaloo, I bought the far, far away single that had the Kamikaze B-side. And I was like, yes, I have this exclusive song. And then I went and bought cheeses at the Lifeway store in Valdosta, and there it was. And I was annoyed because then the only piece of exclusive content I have is a little 15-second <laughs> intro from Reese talking about cutting it from the album. All right, thanks, guys. Love pod. Keep on rocking. Oh, man. Sounds like this guy needs to read the handbook or the sellout. I know, right? Um, that's, uh, this, is, this is what I, I thought of you immediately. Um, yeah. when, I, a when I gatekeeper, <laughs> somebody who's like, Oh man, it's, it's not <laughs> as cool now that somebody else has it. I definitely would have felt the same way at that time in my life. I know, man. I know John, it's, it's just, it's, it's tough out there for, for those hipster kids that need to need to prove they're not sellouts. Yeah, it's true. And I've been to therapy since then and worked some of that out. So. <laughs> but I will say, uh, Jason, that, the that little 
piece of of Reese talking about cutting it from the album, I think is I think it's worth it because not everybody, yeah. not everybody's heard that. It's special. It's special. You're, it's unique. You're still you're still hip. You're still cool, and you got it at Lifeway. So <laughs> yeah, I mean that's instant cred. <laughs> that's instant cred. That's that's a. I mean, for people who've talked about ad nauseum on this on this pod about Christian bookstore scenes, that's <laughs> we 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 identify very much with that. So indeed, props to you, our dude. Um, so a lot of these voicemails we're going to cover next week. Um, again, if you have thoughts on the the final album, the final tour. Uh, send them our way and we will discuss them next week. But mm-hmm. we have, we're returning to our regularly scheduled programming yes. this week. So we got the five. Boom. Boom. We got a game. Boom. Bam. And oh, I got, I did a boom. You did a bam. We didn't, we did not. <laughs> we got it. We got to get our boom bams synced That's up true. here. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, so, John, b- before we uh, get into some uh, some five stuff, mm-hmm. would you like to play a game? <laughs> Always. Yes. Okay. So, this week, we're talking about The End is Near. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, there are, other than Five Iron, there are plenty of people throughout history who have claimed that the end is near. Uh-huh. So this week we're talking about <laughs> doomsday prophecies yes. awesome. and people who have claimed that the world is ending in a game. I like to call <clears throat> it's the end of the world as we know it. And John feels fine. Oh man, I can't wait. Can't wait to get into hail bop. <laughs> Heaven's gate. Okay. So <laughs> I'm, I am, I'm going to read you descriptions okay. of uh, people who have made uh, claims about when the end of the world is happening, okay. and you need to tell me if what I'm reading is an actual prediction okay. or some shit that I made up. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Sound good? I'm, I'm in. All right. First one, Nancy Leader predicted that May 27th, 2003 would be the end of the world. According to her website, aliens told her through messages via a brain implant of a planet that would enter our solar system and cause a pole shift on Earth that would destroy most of humanity. After the 2003 date passed without incident, Leader said, that it was merely a, a, quote, white lie to fool the establishment. Mm. She refused to disclose the true date, saying that to do so would give those in power enough time to declare martial law and trap people in cities during the shift, leading sure. to their deaths. Of course. Um, so did Nancy Leader uh, receive alien messages in her brain <laughs> about the end of the world? Well, I gotta say first, I'm glad Nancy's prophecy 
you know, Little White Lie or not didn't come to pass because that would have been a month before <laughs> The End is Near came out. And that's, that's, <laughs> that's no good. That's true. Um, this seems plausible. I'm going true. Real thing. That yeah. is true. Nancy Leader is real. Um, yeah. I'm also I'm also glad uh, that it did not come to pass. I mean, that, <laughs> there's there's too much there's too much life that I was ready to live at the ripe age <laughs> of, of 19. Yeah, is uh, uh, is Nancy still doing her thing? Do you know what's going on with uh, the prophecies? I, th- I, I think she, I think Nancy is is still alive. Okay, cool. Might have to sign up for a newsletter. <laughs> All right. Um, Howard Westman, an Illuminati conspiracy theorist and Christian fundamentalist, predicted that the world would end on Christmas Day in 2013 when the Christ child would emerge from the pyramids with Joseph and pass judgment on humanity. Westman determined the date would be 1,980 years after Christ's death based on the 19th book in the Old Testament, which is Psalms, and the 80th Psalm, which references Egypt, God's smoldering anger, and calls for restoring God's people. Hmm. It kind of seems like a little reasonable. So I'm going, you made it up. False. Yes, right. I made it up. <laughs> I was like, you know, if if um, the Christ child and Joseph as as refugees want to come out of the pyramids and pass judgment on us right now, like that seems fine. <laughs> so wait, wait. <laughs> what what about what about this is, is reasonable? I, I tried to make it as arbitrary as possible. <laughs> I thought it was sort of like, you know, we weren't uh, showing justice to, to the people in the correct way. Was that the hypothesis or no? <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't know. Okay. Well, <laughs> I was any consolation. It had just as much of a like consistent uh, call to action as, as Nancy leaders. So <laughs> fair, fair. Uh, Ronald, Wineland of mm. the Church of God preparing for the kingdom of God. Okay. Self-proclaimed end-time apostle to the world has predicted the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth would occur on Pentecost in both 2012 and 2013. Uh, but recent claims show that the end of the world will actually happen this Pentecost. Ooh. So get ready sinners. <laughs> um, and he subsequently went to prison for yeah, cool. tax, for tax evasion. <laughs> Perfect. Um, boy, oh boy, we only got like a month or two left here, so we gotta finish I know, this man. pod. We gotta, we gotta, we've got a lot of episodes to burn through. <laughs> um, this seems real. I'm going real. John, this is oh, this. Man, could, this be a, could this be a, que- a clean sweep here? This is uh, maybe this is my wheelhouse. I this don't is know. your wheelhouse. End of the world is your Doomsday wheelhouse. Cults. All hell's right. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna Zorb's gonna return and consume our flesh. Yeah. This purifying fire. Oh, um, that's a Parks and Rec shout out. <laughs> um, George Washington Van Tassel, <laughs> UFOologist and author of the book I Wrote a Flying Saucer. <laughs> claims to has re- claims to have received quote cosmic wisdom 
and telepathic communication from a space being named Ashtar, <laughs> as well as Jesus, who is also a space being. Uh, Van Tassel claimed that August 20th, 1967, would mark the beginning of the third woe of the apocalypse mm. by, way of a, by, by way of a Soviet nuclear attack. Mm. I, I think it's going to be a millennial woe of the <laughs> apocalypse that's really going to bring it all down. <laughs> um, boy, that sounds fake. You're going fake? Yeah. Oh. Nope. <laughs> so close. <laughs> George Van Tassel, real, real. <laughs> real dude. Um, and let me, uh, if I may, let me read a review. <laughs> Please do. From, from I Wrote a Flying Saucer on Amazon here. <laughs> I love that that's real. Five stars. Great book. Lots of reading <laughs> between the lines. Uh. If you are sensitive, uh, you can connect with the energies of George Van Tassel and what he was doing. A man ahead of his time in science and in galactic contact. I loved the channelings. They're like stories. And if you love the stars and feel a connection with, with galactics, galactics who are of the light, you might also enjoy this book. Thanks. Amazing. Thanks, user Starlight. Um, <laughs> Hannah Hunter, on the other hand, one star, disappointing. I am very familiar with the area of giant rock. I was curious to read this book and found it very skimpy and poor. Not worth it. <laughs> this guy has done the research, people, <laughs> and it is not lining up. <laughs> this, yeah, people are disappointed in George Van Tassel and his um, his <laughs> important uh, tome about yes. writing, writing a the, point. Can you click on the cover? Because I, uh, I was really hoping it was him like with a cowboy hat in the air, like smiling, riding the flying saucer or something like that. that been yeah, good. no. Um, but it, it, uh, apparently it's a, this is a recent, maybe re-release of the book. Okay. So mm, you can get, 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 he is dead. He's very, oh, he's very dead. <laughs> no, he could still communicate with us via brainwaves. Or <laughs> yeah. He'll, he, he will give, will sense his cosmic wisdom. Yes, definitely. Okay. Uh, Margaret Lindstrom, leader of the apocalyptic church known as the Midnight Prophecy of God's Triumph, predicted that during the total eclipse on June 20th, 1955, that God would finally bring final judgment to a sinful world. Lindstrom, concerned with what she felt was increased sexual immorality in American culture and what she called, quote, whorish and demonic behavior, that, that human beings were fueling God's anger. According to Lindstrom, Isaiah 13 made this total eclipse prediction clear when it was written, the rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. Hmm. Well, now... I thought uh, George Van Tassel seemed too outlandish, and that was real. And this seems fairly likely, so I'm going fake. You made this up. Damn it! <laughs> uh, wait, what was the name of her group, though? Because that's a dope name. Midnight Prophecy of God's Triumph. Band name called it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
well, John, you got you got four out of five. That's pretty good. That's the best That's, I've done. That is the best you've done. I'm I'm actually quite impressed <laughs> with your your ability at at spying uh, spotting um, real doomsday cults. I mean, maybe that says something about our religious <laughs> experience or something. Yeah. Um, I would I will take one. Uh, Engage with Zorp uh, T-shirt as my prize, please. <laughs> do you? Do you? Well, do you want a? Do you want a flute? I have like a flute, yes. some hand curved flutes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I would definitely take one. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if there uh, are any any copies of a uh, of Engage with <laughs> Engage with Zorp books I somewhere. Sure so. <laughs> oh man, it's the best. Well, that was that was a good quiz. Well done. I thank you. It. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um. I, I felt like I wanted to get back into um, the games in a way that was fun and also a bummer. <laughs> yes, um, our, our perfect combo. <laughs> I would just like to say I'm reading about uh, the Reasonableists, which is the cults from Parks and Rec. <laughs> yes. And his, the first, the holy texts are organize it. <laughs> yeah. Organize, organize it, it to, to engage, engage with Zorf. <laughs> which is like such a great Scientology. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I love I love that um, that they called themselves the reasonableists because right. <laughs> it made them seem more legitimate. <laughs> oh man, Good which episode. is exa- which is exactly what Scientology is. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, it's a, it's science. It's based in science. I mean, it has science in it, so it's got to be and fine. It's got to be the thing. Um, I think now we're on some sort of Scientology watch list. <laughs> yeah. If the weasels or whatever they're called show up at your house, look out. What are they called? Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> are, are, are these uh, the people that that spy on you? Yeah, that... yeah. They have like some weird animal name. Um, I'll Google it. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think it only matters if we're, uh, if we're somebody who's Scientologist. Yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a whole name. We'll get yeah, Leah yeah. we'll get Leah Remini on the podcast. <laughs> she, yes. She's she's a big she's a big ska fan. More like uh Leah Scomini. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I don't know. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um Rem yeah. Scomini. Okay. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> um anyway. Uh should we do you want to move into the five? Let's do it. We're back this week with the five and <laughs> drop it. When Zorp shows up, your faces will be melted off and used as fuel. John, do you wanna do you wanna start this week? Sure. Let's see. Gonna get back in the saddle here in the hang of things. So we are talking 2003. Yeah. It, it's a year that's come up uh, a fair amount on the pod already. Um should we start with uh, uh, the cultural or the personal? <laughs> well, um, I, I think I think we should uh, let's start with the cultural. Okay. Well, then uh, I'm going albums per use. I think. Yeah, that's that's where I would start. Okay. Um, kind of a weird year for both um, film and music. Although there's a lot of albums that are classics but it's an interesting mix of things um i also feel like i'm kind of repeating myself with the first couple here because it's like each year i just say whatever their new album is but radiohead's hail to the thief Mm -hmm. about that year kind of a 
return to form from the bleeps and bloops a little bit. Um, Outcast, double album, Speaker Box and Love Below, mm-hmm. jam. Uh, the Postal Service record. I have, that on, I have that on my yeah. list too. I mean, these songs, these albums are just like the sound oh, of college I, I, in my iconic, brain. Perfect. Yes, I know. Ugh. Um, Jay-Z's Black Album. Got that also, on my list too. Dope. And uh, Sufjan's uh, Michigan album. I have that. I have that on my list All too. Right. Lots of overlap. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, uh, I, I put in... Um, there are just too many records for me to not call out as like mm-hmm. extremely significant. Um, those three that you just mentioned, the Postal Service, Sufjan, and Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this year, um, 2002 into 2003, my freshman year of college, uh, mm-hmm. was a, a very significant year musically as I was starting to um talk to people with different musical um preferences that i that i wasn't normally uh like i wasn't really listening to a lot of hip-hop when i was in high school um i wasn't really listening to a lot of indie rock when i was in high school so albums like give up and and michigan um were like big deal a big deal for me Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually now, now that I think of it, I don't know if I put this on my list, but as far as like, I don't know what year it came out actually. Um, uh, but the, uh, bright eyes lifted record uh, yeah. was at least in 2003. That was a, uh, really, really big record for me. Yeah. That's um, a 2002. It came out. Okay. Yeah, so that that I remember listening to that album a lot in it's in, a great two, album. in 2003. Yeah. Did you get those um, Red Eyes tickets? No. See Did you see that they reunited and are touring? Oh man. Oh, yeah, man. amazing. I did see that he did a bit on Conan the other day, which is really really funny. Connor did. Yeah, um, he, uh, they yeah, they're they're playing shows and putting out a record for the first time in like 10 years or whatever. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> Love it. Uh, anyway, so let me just rattle off some of these these records. Uh, Brand News, Dejan Tandu. Um, amazing. Blink-182's self-titled record, which was mm-hmm. kind of a unique uh, yeah. record for them. Uh, Death Cab for Cutie's Transatlanticism. Oh, yeah, good call. As I Lay Dying's Frail Words Collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was sort of my introduction this year, my freshman year, to metalcore and mm-hmm. and a lot so i was listening to a shitload of metal i was like having people burn me cds or like give me uh files to download or whatever and i was just like I'm like give me give me all of it uh andrew wk's the wolf mm. um cigarosa's parentheses yeah or, or brackets yeah. record that came out in late 2002 okay. but for for me in 2003 that was like so good. Oh, holy shit. Um, May, Destination Beautiful, mm-hmm. uh, Further Seems Forever, How to Start a Fire, um, Juliana Theory's Love, mm-hmm. which was released on my birthday, my 19th birthday in 2003. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and then <laughs> uh, Switchfoot's Beautiful Letdown, um, which was a really huge album uh, the summer I worked 
at camp. It was a, uh, it's just as far as like a Christian rock record and like worship record. It, um, it had a lot of great heavy hooks and I just think in Christian circles, it was a, it was a pretty big record. Yeah. Yeah. It was also, um, these are like peak emo years here. Yeah. Um, so yeah. there's more stuff that you and a lot of my friends and our listeners uh, were really into that I just kind of missed out on, but I'm sure there's good stuff in there that yeah. I would have been into had I been paying attention. All right. Moving on to films of 2003. Oh. Um, Not movies. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're talking <laughs> films, bro. Cinema. <laughs> Um, I saw all these in the theater. Okay. Uh, so we're talking city of God. You ever seen that movie? Uh, do you have it on DVD? Cause I, could... I don't dang it. Sadly. It's uh it's great though. It's about like, um, crime in the favelas of, uh, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. It's like, um, just a really sounds like dynamically a dynamically shot movie. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> but it is really, um, engaging and, and, uh, fast moving and, and fun to watch in the, uh, in the way which one might engage with Zorp or, I mean, you can never really engage uh, with anything in the way that you engage with Zorp um, if you're doing it right. But um, yeah. <laughs> lost in translation uh-huh. elf uh, yeah, got that on my list. Christmas yeah, yeah. classic. That's right. Uh, 28 days later, the zombie film. That's, I, a, that's Romero, right? No, but it's very Romero influenced. This okay. is a Danny Boyle. Okay. Um, yeah, but it's definitely, you know, influenced by Night of the Living Dead stuff. Okay. Um, although in this one, the zombies can run. They're fast. Mm. That was the big game changer there. Um, and uh, Triplets of Belleville, which is like a animated French film I love. Uh, very cool. I saw, uh, I did not see Triplets of Belleville at the Bruin View. A drinking movie theater slash concert venue we've brought up on the pod before, but I did see 28 days later there. Um, hmm. and it was not the time that I got banned for life from there. That was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> was that when you went in there underage? Yeah. Which I did many times, but this one, I was a friend who was 21, got me a beer. I didn't have the wristband on. I showed him my fake ID. It didn't work out. But then I came back like a week later after this <laughs> lifetime ban and it was fine. So. It's a very short lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I only have a, a handful of movies on here. Three of which are kind of al- or, or films rather that sort of persist as being like um, that, that, that hold up for me that I continue to watch. So Elf yeah. being one of them, yep. um, Return of the King, obviously that and came out, that came out that year. Um, and I thought saw, about it, but we've already referenced it. So, right. Well, I'm going to, I'm, you know, it's that the, one of the reasons I put it down was, uh, was the context in which I saw it, which I will mm. get to, um, in probably my next one. And then, uh, School of Rock, um, oh, yeah, good with call. Jack I Black. Saw that at the Birdview. Gosh, it's still it's still so funny. I find it. I just find it so entertaining and so and so funny. There's um, still like so many phrases from it that are a regular part of uh, my wife and I sort of yeah, like yeah. dialogue audition. Like um, yeah, turn it on your side, Shalom. You, you got, got a, a base. That's just one of many. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Uh, 
And then the movie that sort of like was emotionally impactful that I saw once and can't watch again um, was Elephant. Uh, yeah, it's, Gus, uh, it's Gus, Gus Van Sant um, yeah. movie that's essentially about Columbine and um, follow it, it. It it follows kids around in like this very these very long shots and um, it's a significant bummer. Yeah, um, for sure. But um, I just I do remember watching that and being like, uh, yeah. You know, because this was not that long after Columbine. Right, right, right. And it was also in a time when school shootings and mass shootings were relatively right. infrequent yeah. and actually um, culturally impactful. Right. Um, sorry if that sounds cynical, but just saying. I mean, we don't make movies about them anymore. Well, that's true. All right. What's anyway. your... Uh, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along, Moving I got along. some bummers, but I'll I'll transition I, I, to a non-bummer. <laughs> I have I have I have some bummers as well. Okay, um, well I'll just say that this is the year that I became co-editor of a magazine called Hands On. Oh shit! <laughs> Which uh, John, Andrew... what is what is what is Hands On? What's Hands On dot Hands On Mag dot org? <laughs> Good memory. <laughs> um, I wish we had any archives anywhere. Um, well, we were. Try- I feel like we were trying to move to a more digital. Yes, uh, and then because it was a, it was in paper. It was like a yeah. published zine. Anyway, go it's ahead. True. Yeah. Well, so I'm a I'm a magazine editor now, and what I often hear from people is like, "Oh, were you your um, college's newspaper editor?" And I was like, "No, man, I was on that underground shit. <laughs> I was uh, <laughs> hands on was the university's social justice magazine." Um, so we, I don't know, it was like a quarterly thing. We wrote about big issues and then a bunch of articles right. on them. Andrew was a staff writer for us. That's right. Um, yeah, it was, uh, I did that. I was a writer for one year and then a co-editor for two years and it was a very significant time. I don't know. I feel like I learned kind of like, oh, this is what I want to do. So it was yeah. cool. It was kind of just like us in a basement, um, maybe like yeah. a dozen of us and, we'd kind of work on stuff throughout like a month or so and then cram the night before it was all going to go live. And Yeah. I don't think I ever had anything in the non online format that I remember. Yeah. Um, the, the first year that I came on was like, as we were finishing the print stuff. So that was yeah. pretty brief. Yeah. This was, um, back when the, uh, the covenant church, uh, pretended to care about social justice burn notice burn covenant <laughs> um, hashtag hashtag bring back hands on <laughs> uh hashtag um scarm parm and <laughs> hashtag bring back covenant <laughs> all right um so john there's something that i i want to talk about um that that you know about and mm. is of a significantly personal nature, but I felt like there's something that I, if I can't talk about the year 2003 yeah. and, um, and just pretend like my um, present is not a reality. And I just, I just, 
as somebody who strives for authenticity and um, as somebody who uh, has been has been extremely open and honest on this podcast. Um, one of the things that like we have sort of referenced in passing is mm-hmm. um, some stuff that I've kind of had going on lately. Um, and we just have sort of not really addressed it because I just didn't really feel like it was appropriate at the time or I was really ready to talk about it. But as we're talking about year 2003 and as we're talking about things coming to an end, um, I thought it might be maybe something worth sharing just, just so people kind of know where, where I am. Uh, and I say this all with the caveat that because it's, uh, you know, extremely personal, um, I, I just want you to kind of res- respect that um, as I, as I share. So, um, so my wife and I are going through a separation and a divorce. Um, and this has kind of been, been in process since December. You know, we moved here to Minneapolis, uh, in August and she has since moved back to the Chicago area. Um, so while this has been hard for both of us, um, I want to make it very clear that neither of us hate the other person, nor do we wish any ill will or anything towards the other person. We both want the other person to be happy and to find joy and peace and mm-hmm. Uh, stability in in their life and neither of us are trying to win this and turn anybody against each other and um, I really just want her to be happy and she wasn't wasn't here with me and um, you know and I say this with uh, you know, just, just some, you know, just bittersweet, you know, because we still care about each other. And I think some people might think, well, if you love and care about each other, why is this happening? And relationships are complex. And, and while we care about each other, that doesn't necessarily mean we make a good married couple or a good, or a good partnership. Um, and this is neither, this isn't like nobody's to blame. It's not like my fault or her fault. It's a shared reality that this is kind of where we are. So I just wanted to kind of share that, um, and that I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. If people are, you know, wondering how I'm doing, um, I'm doing okay. You know, just like with any kind of loss or pain, we all have highs and lows, ups and downs. Um, we have our, you know, I have my moments, but um, something that my my therapist likes to remind me is that Dana and I get to decide the rules mm-hmm. about how we relate to each other. There's not a roadmap 
There's not a list of instructions on how this works. Yeah. And we can decide how we, how we choose to um, relate with each other in the future. Um, so uh, that being said, I, um, you know, looking back um, on 2003, you know, that's the year that Dana and I met and right. we started dating and it was at a really kind of um, sensitive moment in my life. I had just gotten out of a really bad relationship with my then high school girlfriend, um, and I was kind of a, a kind of a mess at that point. And then, you know, I met Dana, and um, we we just kind of, it was a, a very instant kind of click that we just kind of understood each other. And, um, and it was a, you know, it was a very sort of sweet um, meeting and experience. I won't go into all the details, but mm-hmm. um, I'll just say that she kind of loved me through um, this kind of hard transition from, a very low point in my, in my self-esteem. Um, but I'll also say that, uh, throughout our relationship, she gave, she gave me a lot of support, um, patience, uh, generosity, kindness to, um, to a point where I, you know, I've talked on this podcast a lot about my anxiety, about my Mm. depression and some identity stuff that I've, I've wrestled with. And she, she took care of me through a lot of that. And, um, and I also can't like, uh, I, I was probably a lot. Mm. I was probably a lot. And I don't, which is why I don't look back on our marriage as like, I don't look back with filled with negative feelings towards her. Like we had our challenges, um, but I just have nothing but compassion and love for her. And um, I just, I, I just, I felt like I wanted to, to, kind of let people in on that. So um, I don't think really any too many people who listen to the podcast know her other than like our close friends that listen, but, and family. Previous previous guest. Yeah. My, yeah. Um, But yeah, I just, I, I don't please like for just don't like, if you know, just don't like hassle her or, like try and like just kind of let us kind of have this like time, you know? Um, but I just wanted to, to the loyal listeners and the people who've been, um, been with us for a long time, just wanted to kind of yeah share. Yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate you sharing that. I'm sure other people do. I know that it is tough to be vulnerable right now, but, um, you know, we love both of you guys and Thanks, I would expect nothing less than for you guys to be 
handling this in a, you know, thoughtful and um, constructive way. So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that you're talking to a professional about this stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, that's hard. I also met, well, I started dating my wife that year. That was my next bullet. You know, we've talked to when we had a previous guest, Tyler Day, on the pod to talk about before everything and after. We talked about that year and how he met his wife that year. My career, I got married that year. It was this weird kind of time where we all had this significant long-term relationship begin. Um, And so to look back on all that time is like, that's a lot of years and a lot of life to do with someone. Um, yeah. And so it's just, um, it's a lot to, to think about all that you two have um, done together. And so anyway, I am not being eloquent in this, but it was also significant for me in, in terms of getting together with Jenny. And we were just talking okay. this most recent Valentine's Day about how this is our 18th Valentine's Day together, which is like yeah. wild that that's half my age. And, um, you know, these relationships are becoming the age of like adults now and just <laughs> how much um, uh, time and life and, and things happen in that time. So anyway, crazy to look back on yeah. that year is the time when this happened. So, yeah, it was a very formative year for both of us in terms yeah. of, um, relationships and how we identify as a as a person right. in a relationship, just a, a aside from our, just a, an individual. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I have one more here, and um, you, you want to wait? Go, you, no, no. Okay. Now it's your turn then, because that was. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. So, uh, let's um. So what's what's your last one? Is your last one a bummer? It's a bummer. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe maybe we maybe we have a. Well, let me just share my bummer, and if it's your bummer, <laughs> then I can transition to my my other one. Okay. Uh, which is is not. Um, I have uh, the war in Iraq starting. Uh, same. <laughs> okay. So okay, why don't you? Okay, why don't I share? Why don't you you do Iraq, and then I'll share my. <laughs> my last one so okay. we can end, we can end not on uh, <laughs> good call i mean yeah jump in here because i don't really have anything prepared other than again like a very significant moment it was kind of the beginning of this non-stop state of war we just find ourselves in now so many years yeah. later and what yeah. that did the sort of our psyche as a country to just be like of course you're always in a perpetual war that you never quote win and um yeah i just remember I've talked about this on the show before, but like being in college for 9-11, for the bombing uh, yeah. in Afghanistan in response, which I was at a five iron show during. Right. And then in 2003, I remember watching the first the shock and awe. Yeah, yeah. The shock and awe stuff on TV. Um, I remember watching know. Bush give that address um, from the Oval Office about, about the combat, yeah. you know, the, the, and I was just like, I was, yeah, I was in the Berg dorm rooms and I was just like, yeah, I don't know. It was a very, it was a very weird, um, it was a very, very weird time to be, um, like a young, 
because this was yeah this is just after my 19th birthday yeah and um feeling kind of that this is destabilizing and kind of scary and i definitely did not want a war um and it just it just felt like this is happening super fast and and like what does iraq have to do with this and of course you know that would become much clearer right later yeah no i have no <laughs> no new uh, ground to break here or anything particularly meaningful to say but looking back on that year it certainly heavily weighs over that that time period um yeah but you know fortunately you know in may of that year um we ended major combat operations perfect mission accomplished mission was accomplished so it definitely didn't um destabilize the region and you know fuck up you know the middle east and create a war on terror that uh just would never end (laughs) nope didn't do that yep um cool so that (laughs) transition into your non-bummer yeah my non-bummer um was i spent that fall semester in sweden i studied abroad in sweden um and it was an extremely significant uh semester abroad learning about other cultures um, getting to travel a little bit that's where i saw return of the king in the theaters <laughs> with with swedish subtitles. swedish subtitles yeah. and um yeah it 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 was it really kind of made me fall in love with with sweden and you know 17 years later you know i have yet to go back i would love to go back and visit when it wasn't the fall when you know maybe during uh, lighter times of the year um but i got to visit england and ireland and um denmark and we took a class trip to greece uh you know as a as a 19 year old kid it's that kind of experience is like super valuable to experience other parts of, of the world. And like, you know, in hindsight too, there's like, um, there are other study abroad programs that would probably have given me more of a diverse worldview than, you know, just like kind of a primarily European um experience but or at least primarily white european experience um but it was still uh you know as a as as somebody who was like hadn't lived by himself and or like away from home to like live in a dorm by himself and then um live in another country for four months but also like work at a camp that previous summer away from home it was a it was a very intense kind of like yeah first couple years of college of living living away from home and feeling like well is this kind of kind of what it's like to be an adult um little did i know it was nothing like being an adult (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh it was like adult training wheels of sorts but yeah yeah but i got to play some music in sweden 
Yeah, man. Um, I might have to, I have a poster from my, yeah. I'll have to post that picture. Yeah, on you our, definitely should. You're rocking right, some that. dope hair at that point. <laughs> yeah, some long hair. Yep. Um, yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to post that picture on our installator. For sure. Well, that's the five. That's five. Let's, uh, let's close it up. <laughs> the end of that segment is near. <laughs> hey. Hey, nailed it. Boom. Uh, bam. Bam, boom. <laughs> Zap, zorp. Yep. Hail, zorp. <laughs> Hashtag hail, zorp. Um, let's, uh, let's stop doing that and we'll move <laughs> let's take a quick break and then we will we come back we'll move on to uh the end is near yeah that one <laughs> that one we're back hello hello hi <laughs> um talking the end is near yes uh this this album is not something is not an album that i really listened to mm-hmm. until we decided to cover it okay it's not an album that i was super familiar with like i i think i had heard um maybe i heard cannonball and on distant shores yeah uh but that's other than that i don't think i had given any of these other songs i or maybe american kryptonite i don't know there's like some songs that i i think maybe over the course of time had heard but like had no context for yeah 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 i um so this came out in june of 2003 um they self-released it at shows and through the site. And then in April, 2004, they sold it properly in stores and throughout stuff through five minute walk, uh, as a double album with, uh, the end is here, the live half. Um, and I knew that they were releasing it at shows and stuff, but, and I also knew that, that they must've been teasing that the double album with the live record was coming. Cause I waited until then to buy it. I got it at the, Christian bookstore I worked for in college. Um, and my impression then and now is that it's okay. <laughs> it was one of the ones that I was most eager to dive back into. Um, really had an interesting time with all the hype and electric boogaloo, which were kind of like under listened for me. Um, one of which I think is like really ambitious and interesting and it was fun to talk about the other, which I genuinely really like, and I'm glad it's kind of back in my rotation now. This one, um, I was kind of wondering if I would have a similar assessment where I was like, well, I appreciate it in all these new ways, which I do think I do partly. Um, but my impression then was kind of the same way that I felt about that period for them in general, where it just kind of sounded kind of slick, um, wasn't as big a fan of the direction that they were going in. So this didn't do a ton to dissuade me from that. But I do think there are still some really good songs on here. Um, there's not really anything I flat out dislike. Um, and there's a few I, I um, that I think are big standouts. But I don't know. I um, 
I felt like it was kind of, it was interesting to have an album that was like an intentional goodbye. Like they right. knew that they were breaking up. There's lots of songs about it on the album. Um, I think it's sort of an interesting farewell. And like we were saying, now it's kind of this like bittersweet kind of time capsule um, of where they were at. Um, but yeah, it didn't, uh, I wanted it mainly as kind of a, you know, you got to have the final album. I wanted all the live stuff. Um, I think it's an interesting kind of package, but I am glad that there was another chapter still coming. So, yes. Um, but yeah, nobody, nobody knew. Nobody knew. Just like Michael W. Smith. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Am I thinking of the right thing? Um, nobody secret. knew his, se- his secret ambition. Secret ambition. That's right. Yeah. yeah classic. <laughs> nobody knew. <laughs> uh, it's true. Uh, just, just like Jesus. Um, <laughs> that's right. The five iron fans didn't know their, Secret ambition. Um, so something else I want to point out uh, with this this double record, they include a booklet that has pictures from yeah a bunch of the shows, and I'm wondering if any of our Magpod listeners mm, yeah, are are in any of these shots. I feel like uh, I remember scouring them trying to find myself because it wasn't those aren't just from the last show right those are just from like a bunch of i think these times. are from a bunch of shows yeah yeah because and, it, and it's very uh early 2000s fashion <laughs> uh-huh. in, a, in a very serious way uh uh but yeah hit us up let us know if you're if you're in any of these picks yeah um if you were at the show please let us know about that um yeah i mean my my initial reactions with this record were that it has its has its moments where i'm like all this this rules and then there are times where i'm like this is okay it's not like boogaloo where i felt like this is a like a fairly strong record overall Yeah. yeah i mean it's weird it's definitely like you know thematically not um like disparate and all over the place because they're definitely kind of focused on a you know, like I said, kind of a farewell. Um, right. So there's that consistency to it, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's just generally not like a, an overall vibe that I was super excited by at the time. Um, but some of them I do, I do think are, um, are pretty great. Yes. Um, I think they're, yeah, they're trying to close some loops. And- <laughs> yes. Answer those age-old questions. Answer the age-old questions. Um, pants, etc. <laughs> pants, Brad. Yeah. Uh, combs, that yeah, sort we'll, of thing. We'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Should we start? You want to? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. Let's let's get into the first song, which is <laughs> Cannonball. Cannonball. Maximum 
those horde lines Ugh. are are really great. It's, so great. It's my number three. It's my number two. Awesome. Um, yeah, I feel like that the chorus. I mean, I'm I'm with them from the beginning, from that yeah. horn line, like you're saying. But by the time they get to the chorus and the oh, gig smashing, I'm, yeah. come crap, I'm just like, I am on board fully. Yeah, and there's a part two uh, towards the end where mm-hmm. I am even more on board. So let me let me cue that up. I hear those pick slides. It just, Ugh, it's, it's heavy as fuck. It's just <laughs> so when those, when the, the pick slides the come pick in slide. and it's just like, it sounds like there's like a down, like a, like a, like a detune, not detuned, but like a, like a lower tuning. Yeah, yeah, sounds. Yeah. It's just like the guitar sounds, the guitar and bass sounds. So like good. there are, um, on this record, there's a lot of like crunchy bass and yeah. like, and like medley riffs, there's yes, there's sure. there's like some good there's some good medley crunchiness going on on this record, yep. and and those are the moments those are the moments I'm there for. Yeah, like I said, I was like, I'm I'm on board by the time of that chorus for sure. But I have in my notes, slow down bridge with pick slide into guitars is great. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just yeah, what's yeah. the with the yeah, that that sort uh, of half that half time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's just, it's pretty undeniable. Yeah. I love it. Um, Lyrically, I feel like he's kind of saying like, um, you know, using failure as an opportunity for good, like kind of comparing the idea of the band ending to like, this thing is coming, crashing down, but like, I'm going to use it as an opportunity. I'm going to use that sort of crashing down to like do the most that I can with that. That's kind of how I take it. Yeah. Mm. Buttressed by the fact that he believes that God will, you know, even if he does mess up or screw up, he'll, he's still, he's still got that G-O-D. (laughs) He's down G-O-D. Yeah. That like as (laughs) this giant heavy object falling that um, something will be there to, to catch you. Yep. Um. At least I'm not like all those other old guys over here. Sandwich. <laughs> Everyone likes some sandwiches. <laughs> oh shit. Oh yeah. Big that I can stop. 
um, this feels like a Roper song to me. Uh, yeah, interesting. I don't. I'm not, and I'm not. And I'm not saying that. Like we we haven't gotten to Roper yet. But we'll get there. But we stand some Roper. But I I just there's it. This has like a very sort of more so tongue in cheek kind of right style of writing than. Uh, but um, but there's also a line coming up that uh, we need to we need to get to. We all know that, uh, I mean, when he wrote this lyric, he's like, from now until the end of time, the epitome of cool will be Fred Durst. I always take it to be a little bit of like a dig. Like, you think so? Not, not cool. I don't know. In 2003, wasn't Limp Bizkit like definitely kind of over and past their prime? Um, maybe, maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I guess maybe he's saying watching MTV for fashion tips and saying that the fashion tips are lame, but let's be real. We don't, you don't need to go back too many years for backwards. <laughs> the hat. Exact same style. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tattoos, goatee. Yeah. I'm pretty sure the, uh, we, <laughs> he has that exact, um, uh, the exact look in, uh, in not, not, uh, not, uh, not dandelions. What am I thinking of? The video where they're like breaking into the building and all that. Yeah, that one and um, flowery, flowery song, song. Flowery, flowery song. song for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I had the exact same thought listening to it. I'm like, you mean your look? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I guess by 2003 he had moved past that look. But um, yeah, no, I Durst called out uh, Biscuit burn notice or um <laughs> yeah this is a very fun very silly song it definitely became a live staple like um maybe more than any other song on this record um but yeah it's a good one i it's got a very cheeses intro talking about sandwiches right uh, which we'll get back to you um yeah it's so funny that it was like you know they're a little bit older than us but like that at the time it was like i'm 29 years old <laughs> like right. oh, i'm so old right and like now it's like oh man <laughs> it's a little too familiar like we're all actually old now <laughs> like, right too too old to be at punk shows and yet we did um i don't know I, even at the time as somebody who was 20 i was still feeling that a little bit <laughs> where i'm like um you know trying to be like i'm still cool right these shows with the kids so anyway it's uh always gonna be relevant yeah he was uh that's i was like was he really he really was, was. Like, yeah i just needed to yeah he's reese is 46 i guess i um like 10 years older ish than us yeah yeah he is damn reese you're, you're uh, actually old now bro yeah we're actually old but you're still a zaddy oh a hundred percent um <laughs> when we're still potting like 20 years from now and he's like 66, we'll be like, man, remember back when he was 46 and talking about being old? Like, man, he was so young then. Yes. So, you know, he's still young, still hot. <laughs> yeah. 
I can't wait until we're senior citizens and like <laughs> ska bands are playing as a bunch of old people and we're going to the shows. It's yeah. Weird. Yeah. I'm going to mix it up in the pit. Get, <laughs> That's our, right. get our walkers. <laughs> yeah. Take the, mm. take the tennis balls off the bottom of them and <laughs> get in there. <laughs> Just get in there and mix that shit up. Oh man. I love it. Another wink, another winky song. Mm. This has a, especially those opening verses kind of has like a little bit of an 80s vibe to it. Uh, a My Sharona sound, as I like to call it. <laughs> oh, it's interesting. I didn't, that's. <laughs> I mean, they, about, just, they just ripped off the neck. <laughs> we talked about Kings of Hollywood, the MXPX right. song, which is right, like right. a low point for them because it's like doo-doo, <laughs> And the song very much has that. A vibe that I'm just like, oh brother, I don't know. Where it's like, just always reminds me like, do 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 And I don't know if it's like his. I mean, this feels like a classic Dennis song where it's just like, yeah. I'm just, I'm just not into the delivery and the vocals. Like, and I don't know if it was like re-singing if I would have a heart or a better time with it. But it's just like, blah, 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 blah. I just like, I just can't. I can't get down with it. Um, it's fun, but like, and I like that first part. And the chorus is fine, although the chorus also rips off superpowers, uh, where it, it sounds very similar to like, we sing, we dance, we'll make oh, you laugh. Yeah. I don't know. Just feels yeah. like a retread. Um, but I will say, I like the whole concept of like, we were going to write this whole song that was going to take down the system, but we're breaking up, so we're not going to do that anymore. Like, I think that's funny. I think Reese's edits of the lyrics are funny where he is like, call your dad. The song is stupid. <laughs> um, Cause I have to believe that he was re- reading the lyrics and just decided to do that. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was always part of it, but anyway, I, I kind of agree with that assessment. <laughs> I do like that. Uh, Reese legitimately, uh, <laughs> Seems to think uh, <laughs> Five Iron is stupid. <laughs> and, yeah. and he's just like, whatever. Uh, a famously told uh, Danny Leary when Danny said that we were creating this podcast, why would anyone do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, also, I, uh, I want to point out that uh, the pictures of Reese in this lyrics booklet, has uh. he has a goatee. So he's like, <laughs> Yeah, maybe he's just owning it. It's like a pointing the finger at himself type of song. 
Maybe so. Maybe maybe he's just maybe he's doing that again. That's our that's our favorite Reese. It is, yeah, the goateed hypocrite Reese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, New Year's Eve. It's okay. <laughs> That's what I've got. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think what do you think this song is about? I have here interesting lyrics. Um I think it's kind of the idea of like writing out of a place of darkness in hopes that things will get better. Um which is certainly a consistent uh Reese Five Iron theme over the years of kind of like being in a place of sort of depression but having the opportunity to be like I'm going to work to get better with God's help sort of I think that's the vibe I don't know what do you think I think I think that's a good I think that's a fairly accurate assessment but I mean if you just like combined the lyrics with kind of the images that they have in the booklet dark shadow monsters that right, they're right. they're trying to fight back um let's see so a year goes by I'm staring at my watch again I dig deep this time for something greater than I've been life to ancient wineskins there's there's probably that again another one of those songs about how terrible he is crap yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think using new year's eve as a metaphor for like repentance every yeah every year i get it wrong but i'm gonna try to get better yeah um there is a uh let's see if i can cue it up i was blind but now i see this new year's eve something I did like <laughs> I did like that he he tried to do a little falsetto there. <laughs> Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> he is pretty much in the cranberries. Yeah. I mean we know he can yodel, so Yeah, well this is a no surprise. I've, I've always said that the five iron five iron is the cranberries of Colorado. <laughs> yeah, it's a competitive uh market <laughs> earning <Yeah>. that title, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about New Year's Eve? Nope. Nope. What about this? What about this Oh, oh yeah, that's shit. Oh, shit. American Kryptonite. Yeah. Come on. 
this is clearly my number one. Obviously, my number <laughs> Obviously one. Obviously, well. <laughs> my number one. Yes. Oh, oh this man. song. This song rules. Okay, so before before we get into talking about the song, uh-huh. except instead of taking and consuming everything in their past for God, they did so with the same fervor and sense of entitlement for their new God. when they go hard <laughs> as hell yes uh so it's it, it combines it combines my two favorite things that i love uh-huh. when when five iron goes hard as fuck and when they're also trying to dismantle capitalism <laughs> and consumerism <laughs> exactly the song is very up both of our alleys um, <laughs> yeah right this i mean it's like so fistful of sand might be my favorite five iron song ever uh it definitely in the buy take break throw it away bridge uh very much on those vibes yeah yeah as we discussed recently day we killed similar territory right. there maybe not you know lyrically but well kind of lyrically um and mind for treason <laughs> and mind for treason of course <laughs> the classic trilogy um yeah i mean this was always my number one uh, this is always my favorite off of this album it remains my favorite um you know they're returning to that consumerism theme they've definitely visited before uh yeah i just i'm so into it i uh I'm not sure I need the I'm that Ratcat <laughs> Kryptonite Yeah intro. <laughs> um, as we've discussed, he's sort of. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I'm that Ratcat Kryptonite Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it does, it does feel like. I don't know. Is he channeling Fred Durstie a little bit? <laughs> his, you know, we've talked Come about on. his, his <laughs> yeah. Wu-Tang and Limp Bizkit. <laughs> um, I don't know. Well, there, I is, remember. there is some more cultural appropriation oh, yet yeah, again. Of course. No, I mean, his, his raspy metal delivery is always a little... You can just have the song play. You don't need to say the name of the song and then say, yeah. Um, but no, I... Um, American Kryptonite. This is a race roper joint. <laughs> Another roper. We back again. We, we back again, motherfucker. Um, back again for the last time. In the 03. I, I love this Make whole idea. Make me tell you again. <laughs> It's just satisfying to keep doing that. <laughs> um, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm into it, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, this idea of like America as the superhero sort of brought to its need, brought to its knees by its weakness, which is greed. Um, right. Like, yeah, I mean, the little spoken word part that we heard a little bit of there before the screamy bridge, you know, he says, 
it was like manifest destiny all over again, except instead of taking and consuming everything in their paths for God, they did so with the same fervor and sense of entitlement for their new God themselves. Um, <laughs> and I got to say, I like, he's doing a little more here what I wanted him to do on Day We Killed, where I was like, do that kind of talk speaking hardcore thing. Like that's kind of what he does with that part. So I'm into that. Instead of like, kind of like a Zach De La Rocha. <laughs> right. Like he could have been is, like, which is kind of what the be- opening of this yeah, track yeah, was. Exactly. It was like manifest destiny all <laughs> over again. He could have done something like that, which would have been a bummer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's, what is, what is that? What is that inflection that you were just saying? <laughs> kind like of a man- Zach De La Rocha. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, oh man. That's, that's hilarious. <laughs> but uh yeah i mean the whole idea obviously manifest destiny is an idea they return to again and again um but like that the, the idea of pinpointing that as sort of the source along with like you know puritanism and what that wrought that like led us to where we are today um it's never not going to be on point so and we're never not going to love it <laughs> nope i i want that song live every time please <laughs> there is uh i i did look up they did play that song um, and it looks, I think that was, it was when it was before they, they broke up and I get the impression that Micah does the screamy metal vocals. Live. Like the by take break. Yeah. That sounds right. Because I know I've seen it live and I remember being disappointed by that part. If only because I'm like, well, that makes sense that he can't recreate that every night. But I was like, maybe it was just Micah. It's more in his, world to be able to pull that off um i want those screams bro or maybe no this is oh no this was after they uh this is after they got back together well let's hear what he what he does he, he still does the american <laughs> perfect we're going to make an album that is just a shade above mediocre <laughs> Sounds like <laughs> false metal. Yeah. False, false metal. That sounds cool. Kraftanaita. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude. And everybody in the audience is knows every word. Yeah, I would be losing. Yeah, the 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 recording sounds terrible. I mean, maybe Um, they're just kind of leaving it up to the crowd to main to carry that part, which makes sense. It sounds pretty great. I request that they play that next time we see them, please. One thousand percent. It was beautiful. We saw the frozen mountains pierce the clouds It was beautiful We felt the way to New Zealand Water shimmered beneath the moonlight shroud It was beautiful
Um, this this sort of seems to me kind of like I don't know. Looking back on all these years, uh, all the smiles, all the tears. <laughs> yes, kind of thing. maybe maybe that. Um, let's go to song meetings. Let's see what uh, a. <laughs> it never let's fails a, me. Let's see what song meetings has to say. I should say also that this is my number three. Oh, fascinating! <laughs> wow. Not, okay, so, um, so so tell yeah. me, tell okay, tell me what. Uh, well, I'm not surprised that we overlapped on those two of our three. That makes sense. And I'm not. I was expecting us to probably diverge on this one. And I wasn't necessarily thinking of this as one that would crack the top three, but I've always liked it. Um, and I think listening through to it again this go around it was like this feels like one of those closing worship type songs that they often have at the end of the records um and it's just that they have like several of those for this one because it's the last one um but i think in the same way that some of those especially the early kind of final songs on the records um worked for me i find the sort of sincerity of it moving like it's just kind of a moving look back on the things they've seen and what they've done together. And I don't know, I kind of got a little like chill as I was listening to him huh. describe some of the stuff they've seen together. Like yeah, they've seen all over the world together. They've seen people bouncing against the backlit, you know, whatever clubs and they've, he's friends with these people. I don't know. It's just kind of, I really like that. It's a like kind of simple, but moving summation of what that like decade of, what the band and what they've done together has meant. And it always just kind of like, uh, has been moving for me. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> you are not into it. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, no, I'm just kidding. No, I, I, um, it's not one of my favorite songs yeah. on, but I think it's, um, I think it is a sweet reflection. Um, yeah. everybody on, uh, song meetings. Thanks. It's about how God is great and everything's great. <laughs> That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Um <clears throat> but but then there's one there's one person who's like, no, he's not, he's not great. Why what about, what about Darfur? Mm. And and then somebody's like, Well, let me begin by saying that the world is in a state of entropy. Um <laughs> uh they give a a very uh terrible uh, theodicy explanation. Mm. Well, so, en- entropy is still promoting chaos, as we all know. <laughs> so we all do um, know that. <laughs> and uh, starving children in pain. Who can believe in that God? We all know that. <laughs> yeah, we all know that. This is this is somebody who um, who needs to listen to more Five Iron to get a little <laughs> bit more of those. Yeah, let's get a little bit more of those questions and a little bit and fewer answers. That's what I'm saying. Mm, yep. Word. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of. I mean. I know a lot of people like on distant shores and I do like it too. And we'll get there, but I almost kind of prefer this as like a final send off. Um, that's kind of how I think of it anyway. Now that, now that you kind of like explain it in a way that more of a reflection, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I can appreciate that. Sure. Well, I just, I think I have to sit with the lyrics a bit more than I, than I have, I guess. Sure. Wizard needs food. Wizard badly. needs food. Badly.
come to us and fat you said tomato Just that you'd prefer me docile like a narcoleptic sloth The ways and needs Food badly the bolts I can't be And complete the things I love You hate so badly I must not go down in defeat In the hunter-gatherer society this is my number two okay interesting um, this this song um <clears throat> grew on me a lot as i listened to it it has a 50s doo-wop feel that yes. i'm super here for yeah and it it almost feels like this could be like a masked intruder song uh because that's that's kind of their their style yeah. is like 50s doo-wop plus pop punk and i'm 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 just really into it um yeah i i've always thought it's musically fun i like the chorus a lot i love the vocals on the like <laughs> i think that's really fun but the lyrics are a bummer to me man i don't know i like I know it's tongue in cheek, but it yeah. still feels very like men's rights adjacent to me. Really? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, public thought says men should try and be tame. It just feels like kind of wild at heart. I don't know. It's like, um, you know, his girlfriend or wife or whatever just won't stop nagging him. All he wants to do is play video games, but she can't understand. Like, <laughs> he should be allowed to be, I don't know not tame but i don't know it just like i know the whole thing's kind of jokey it just kind of like rubs me the wrong way a little bit i don't know that's fair um uh, are you familiar with gauntlet oh the the <laughs> from wizard eats food badly the that that reference yes i don't think i ever played it no but... me neither i know it's a video game like an arcade game from the 80s that the the wizard needs food badly sample <laughs> comes from uh, yeah <laughs> i don't know that's yeah just in keeping with the video game thing yeah. um it feels a little bit like dennis <laughs> musically <laughs> like the like it seems like something he would probably come up with um, yeah it, it is it's a it's a recent dennis joint yeah okay um i did you watch the video for this Have you seen yes that? the yeah. video rules it's oh, pretty man. cool it's it has super this fun. very like mid 2000s flash animation um but a really cool design like yeah the band is on this bus and then there's sort of like an epic robot superhero battle happening outside of the bus um yeah we should say it's uh directed by roque ballesteros roque ballesteros anyway it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it in a while yeah it's uh yeah the 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 art to me does yeah it does feel like a little almost like a little home star runner yeah or sure. or something like that this um, was like flash animation's time to to shine so yeah i don't i didn't see any other official music videos yeah i don't think there are 
I was curious why this was the single or why this was the... Yeah, I don't know. I assume it was. I mean, it almost looks like... I don't. It doesn't seem like the band was super connected to that. So I wonder if he just made that and they let him run with it or I don't know how the process worked. If you know, let us know. But yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, I think like you said, the couple songs that you thought you knew... I would imagine probably made it at least to Christian radio, like on distant shores. I feel like probably did um, maybe cannonball. So I don't know. I, yeah, it doesn't seem like they did a big, this was a self released uh, initial uh, release. So I don't know. Farewell to arms. Some sweet emo guitar. Mm. some thoughts songs songs like this and this is again another one of those songs like marty where is he talking about a very specific person (laughs) perhaps or because it's it's songs like this that make it seem like i mean they have issues with the church yeah so i don't know I don't, like I, yeah. I, I don't know exactly what right so there's twofold so like why why write a song when you admittedly think yeah there's institutional issues within the church mm-hmm. and the second part which always kind of drives me crazy about anybody who makes this claim is that atheists or people who don't believe in god always secretly have (laughs) God in them. They just are denying that letting God into their life. They just, they actually believe in God. They just don't want God just because they want to live a sinful life or whatever. (laughs) And, and that's just not the case. So that whole, like, uh, if you could separate your anger from that still small voice you hear, right. You know, it's like, no false wrong bad take yeah i it's complicated these lyrics are complicated and like 
I think it definitely verges on the patronizing, <laughs> as you're saying, and the sort of straw man argument, as you're also saying. But like, especially with like, you say that you're, you say that you've aged. I think you're just enraged. Where it's like, um, I assume it's sort of to counter like I've sort of aged out of the church experience. But I don't think you're blaming it on that. But really, you're just angry and you need to deal with your anger. You know, right. sometimes righteous anger at the church is necessary and important. Um, right. Right. But I do think that what he's talking about is more specific than that. Like, I think he's sort of acknowledging the problems with the church, um, even while saying, you know, I understand the argument. And I think this mainly applies to Christians of like, um, not conflating church with Christ. Like, I think they're there are a lot of arguments where it's like, I kind of have to throw the baby out with the bathwater and my like knee jerk reaction to that is to kind of be like, there's a lot of beauty um, in there. You don't have to conflate the two immediately, even if obviously they're wrapped up together and I'm not going to tell you what your experience is, but I don't know. I, I, I think, I think what he's saying is like, it's okay to be angry with the church. You don't always have to conflate the church with Christ. Um, and it's, he's, it's, yeah. it's lost in his tone. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's especially, about, especially when he said, it's so hard to be objective when your reason is defective. Right. So he's, he's straight up dismissing this person. I know. Yeah. Like, and I think, right. He's like, no, it's like, no, you're wrong. Your reason doesn't hold any water. You, and and it's just like that's like yes yeah, yeah there 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 doesn't need to be a baby with the bathwater situation. However, there are levels of trauma that totally that that like you just look at our former denomination that we've spoken about at length and how they've dealt with queer communities within within the church, and it's like. Yeah what what role would would somebody have be like you know see you're just not thinking about this in the way about christ you know right. the church the church hates you and doesn't want you here but jesus does right. so yeah. like no you can't and of course not every situation is that like intense but if there yeah. if the if the entire denomination's like yeah we don't want you Right. Um, it's, it's, then it's like, you might be like, well, you, you might start wondering like, okay, are it, do I find another church home, a place that will have me? Or is there something within the, the big C church that's like, yep. that will never fully embrace me or whatever. Yep. I think that's all totally fair. It's definitely in that realm of sort of, pointing finger outward at someone and making an object out of them, which is not the norm for five iron, but does pop up occasionally. And we always bump on it when we hear it. Cause it feels unusual for their outlook. Um, yeah. Which again, prompts me to be like, is this about a specific situation perhaps where like someone left your church and, you know, he keeps returning to the theme of like naming the importance of forgiving. Um, and if that's, true then i have to assume he's sort of pointing the finger at himself as well um 
but you know, it's, it's also hard to forgive someone when you're like, your argument is like a non-argument. Like you don't have any, you're, you don't make any point here. Like, why would you forgive somebody who's coming at you with that attitude? Um, I do want to say there were some original lyrics, I guess, that they had as the verses and then changed it by the time that the record came out. But um, some of the original lyrics were, uh, when you rocked out on the mic, were you thinking something like, I wish I wasn't here? Then you bowed as we all cheered. Were you just as bitter then? Did you tremble as you penned the handbook for the quitter? Is this making you more bitter? Let's chalk it up to human nature. You know we have all been burned. If you turn the other cheek, they'll crucify you. This is the one thing that I've learned. So like, it sounds like someone who sort of like was doing church with him um, and quit. And now he's like, well, was it all just, um, you know, a show to you? And it sounds like he's sort of naming the church in terms of being um, in the wrong for sort of like, if you publicly forgive someone, they, they will, you know, crucify you in his words here. I don't know. It's an interesting one. I, you know, musically, I should say, <laughs> I really love those, those swinging drums and horns in the beginning. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I really like that buildup uh, and the climax of the bridge. I think that's great. Um, so I'm really into the song musically. I think there's a lot to sort of unpack in terms of lyrics and theme. Yep. I, I think I think I think those lyrics that you that you shared give give a little bit more context, and I think honestly I feel like honestly, hon- honestly I do think I understand why he changed the specificity of the song because right. it would have it would have been like wow this is really <laughs> specific specific yeah and then but I think now making it less specific and making it very general opens it up to yes larger problems larger problems and i think with that i just think it it probably should have been cut entirely yeah it's yeah i don't know it's it's dealing with some interesting things i do i like the music a lot i don't know but it's an interesting one yep uh controversy over this song yes indeed let us know what you think (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, was, I was just going to do that <laughs> I think it's very interesting that they're back to the Rasta lyrics and vocals and um, not saying perspiration like in Stinky Hippie, but pretty much exactly the delivery of Stinky Hippie. That's. 
Is it? Is it? Uh, I thought it was inspiration. In in this song, it is. Yeah, but it sounds exactly like the <laughs> yeah perspiration of Stinky Hippie. <laughs> um. Yeah, which um. How uh, do you think they wrote this song in the same session as Stinky yeah, Hippie? So. <laughs> They're like, actually, that's kind of hooky. Let's, actually, let's that's that. that's pretty tight. So, <laughs> um, yeah, they're back to that ska sound. They're back the to best that. Uh, best on one dime, snap the neck. No, <laughs> it's definitely that white Rasta sound again. Yeah. I don't know. I like the ska sound. I think it's kind of cool. Um, this is one that kind of made the set list pretty regularly, at least for a while. Um, and it's kind of one of, you know, it's like a goodbye song, like set it all on fire. Um, and I, you know, he kind of touches on like, we'll never get to do all the stuff that they plan to do. Uh, like there were things that they still plan, but set it all on fire. And, um, I don't know. I like the, it kind of ends with like, it's up to others now to pick up the pieces and continue. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's good, but it's, uh, not among my faves. What do you think? No, definitely not not among my favorites. Uh, I do like the idea of fire is cleansing, just burn it down, start yeah. over, and talking about like, yeah, this is their, like you said, things that you, lyrics that he doesn't need to use anymore. Or, right. But one thing that he got uh, very wrong in these lyrics is, uh. Uh, 10 years from now, you won't know my name. Yeah, uh, yeah. Jokes on you, Reese. We <laughs> we doing a podcast about you, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. And then, um, much to your uh, <laughs> chagrin, you know, chagrin and embarrassment, maybe. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's another one that kind of takes on that bittersweet, more the sweet and the bitter in this one tone because you're like, well, they do get to do some of that stuff again eventually. Yeah. So yeah, it is. It does. It does bring me a little bit of happiness that. It, it was not as final right. as as they thought, even if it was another eight years before. True. Um, also, cool title. <laughs> yeah. See the flames begin to crawl is pretty metal. It is. It is. It is pretty metal. I don't know. I don't know if it's nearly as metal as Mind for Treason, but no. What is though? <laughs> very little. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anchors away. Yeah, I said yeah. Anchors away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I dies in the same slight way that we lose track of the facts. Slowly unseen, slipping side and they threw some fabricated cracks. And now the freedom of the press has turned the freedom to impress. Perfect
Yeah, see, this this is what I'm talking about, Reese. <laughs> this is the wheelhouse I want you to be in. This is <laughs> the sure. lane. This is the lane. Point the finger at the powerful. <laughs> yes. Point the finger at the corporations, at the news media, at capitalism. You know, that's that's where that's where you need to aim those arrows. Agreed. Um yeah, I'm very into the lyrics here. I again, just another prescient song for them. Like this was yeah. how long ago is this now? Seventeen years as we were just talking about. Yeah. Like, I mean, the whole idea of corporate media, fake news, these kind of bubbles we live in that tell us what we want to hear has only grown so much more since then. And this was pre social media where right. we were able to just very much get into our own silos of right. of news and um yeah, it's only very much gotten worse. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, I'm thinking of like in Chicago here and all over, we're dealing with the, like the Sinclair Broadcast Group. This oh, like, right, right, right. You know, corporate right-wing um, right wing group that's now got a monopoly on um, networks and is literally in the regular news feeding these conservative talking points and we can't watch Cubs games anymore because these guys are running things and just... Yeah, um the chorus to the point also like with sinclair to like to the point where it's like here is the here are the words that you were going to say yeah exactly on this on this story you know so it's yeah so this is why it's so difficult to determine what news is actually news and versus right. opinion versus journalism versus uh unique reporting and um yeah so it, it's just gotten more and more difficult but anyway you were saying the chorus oh yeah it just it rules <laughs> like <laughs> it's very catchy the like turn it off until it's right like once they get there i'm just yeah on board i don't know the like musically it's a little too much going on for me <laughs> um like it's kind of weird um but i'm generally into it um there's a, like that metal riffy bridge that's pretty great um and you know you can't deny lyrics like the advertising dollars buy the right to stifle antonyms to sterilize the truth with fiction so we can sing their corporate hymns i mean yeah <laughs> come on that's, yeah that's classic reese tearing yeah. it up Yep. Something like laughter.
So this is a Leonore joint. A Leonore joint. Um, I think it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The music doesn't really do. Never really goes to that next level. Yeah, it me. never. It, uh, yeah, you're right. Just no next level kind of. I mean, it's definitely another kind of like see God despite the church song. Um, you know, it feels like a similar sentiment to those worshipy closing songs, as we've said. Um, you know, I assume she's sort of talking about herself or at least people that she has known who have been in the situations, but like wanting an authentic faith experience, wanting hope, um, even in the midst of not having it. And, you know, she's got that line, like create in her a sense of awe that sees your beauty. Like, um, I don't know. I think that's, I think the lyrics are powerful. She always has powerful lyrics. Um, it's, uh, yeah, this introspective stuff about big ideas, but yeah, her lyric, her lyrics are always, um, meaningful and and deep and i just don't feel like they get the uh yeah uh, the the music that i feel like would that they that they deserve um right yeah i i just i feel like we're in a stretch of songs in this second half of the album that i just really don't connect with and yeah it's it this the second half of this album is just it really lags for me yeah uh i i do i feel like the you know the the first um seven songs really are just like yeah i'm i'm vibing with and then i just think this i just think the album is it it could have it could have they could have trimmed a, a couple songs yeah agreed I think they could have made it a 10 or 11. They didn't need to make it like a full chock full record, you know? Right. Right. Uh, that's how the story ends. Snarf. Uh, did, did you, did you figure out what that, what it was? I did. Sandwiches. They make the best friends. More, more like cheeses territory. Um, the estate of Edgar, Edgar Allan Poe would like a word. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe too much, but, uh, yeah, this is kind of, it's fun. It's like building, answering these 
these five iron mythology questions around the raven for some reason (laughs) (laughs) i guess it's kind of like telling you this this tale um yeah but yeah we find out about uh micah returned so that's good he had reese's comb um (laughs) brad wasn't dead and the pants you know we were wondering about this uh, the pants were his dad's. And they yeah. were later hosen. They were later hosen. So also Combat Chuck died and Kitty Doggy got put to sleep. <laughs> um <laughs> tough, tough break for those guys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. And then it goes into this course with like really fast punk drums. <laughs> it's just like a lot of stuff. <laughs> it's uh it's an interesting yeah. one. Yeah, there it's like here's sort of a spooky song, <laughs> <Right>. but, <laughs> but then it's just like but now it's something else. What's up, dude? And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I like what he's like. And I said, shut up. <laughs> um, His mic impression is, is good too. <laughs> uh, I like what well, I'm wondering if the, the shut up was a reference to the first record. The song shut up. Yeah. Oh. yeah. That's, that's my guess. Yeah. That's like it. maybe, maybe that's what he was saying. Shut up about. <laughs> right. Shut up. But in reality, it's more like, shut up, shut up. That's pretty, that's pretty bang on. I, I practice it hours a day. <laughs> of course. This is, this is my moment to shine. <laughs> uh, on Distant Shores, wrapping it up. Uh, I just want to say like the, uh, the kind of, chill noodly guitar intro is uh-huh. is very very prominent yes indeed. On, the, on this record do like the melodies of this song maybe because it sounds like every new day (laughs) and then literally the chorus from that song later yeah um i don't know i like it it's you know even before that explicit callback of using the same chorus uh comes in at the end it definitely feels like a a sibling to every new day um and i don't know i could probably do without that (laughs) exact grafting on of every new day onto it but it is kind of sentimental and if it's like your final kind of worship song closer it makes a little sense to go back to your your big one um although that does have a new horn part in it that's cool yeah um and kind of you know i 
I like what the song is doing in terms of um, kind of its theology a little bit. You know, every new day he's like, you know, dear father, I need you. Your strength, my heart to mend kind of a plea. And in this one, it's if mercy falls upon the broken and the poor, dear father, I will see you there on distant shores. It's kind of like not as much longing God, take me out of this and more like, when you see mercy taken upon people, that's when you see God show up. And it's like right. seeing God manifest in that way. I think it's kind of a cool idea. It doesn't yeah. really transcend like some of those other sort of closing songs they've had. But I think theologically, you know, he also says, I finally believe that you still love me, which feels like kind of a significant <laughs> Reese lyric for somebody who's constantly just like, I'm never going to get it right to sort of embrace the idea that like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm good enough. Maybe, um, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's a pretty f- profound lyric and place to be. Yeah. It's kind of like your closing send off. I don't yeah. know. It, it works for me. Also that the final chorus before the every new day chorus, I think is, is pretty great. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm more into it than you, I think. Yeah, there we go. It gets yelly though. I think that part is pretty undeniable. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's probably, that's my favorite part of yeah. the song. And I think it's like, there's part of me that's like, Oh man. Once you go straight from that high into every new day where you're like, of course it goes into this as a final high, but I'm also like, uh, I feel like it undercuts how powerful that moment is of this song as an original one a little bit. Um, like live yeah. it wouldn't bother me, but I really love that. I finally believe. Like, yeah. I don't know, again, that's like. That's I, I think that I think it could have like remained on that moment for longer. Yeah. To kind of let that sink in, maybe repeat it. Um, yeah. Just like to hammer it in. And I, I do think that going into every new day, it's like. Oh, right, right, right. This thing that we already love <laughs> right. and know and, and get a high from. Right. Uh, but I do think this like guttural plea, not yeah. plea, but like this guttural like declaration, uh, declaration yeah. is like. Yeah, it really it does it move me. It's kind of like sends a little chill up my spine when I hear it. Yeah. So that's the, that's the technical closer. Right. And then next year when they put out the double album, they added this uh, bonus track. Right. Across the St. Andrew. What they can do is better. <laughs> this is good. This is better. 
interesting one i guess i'd never really known what this uh what the song is is that it, it about is it about scene kids or like straight edge kids or what's it about i think it's using that to comment on the idea of you know not sticking blindly with something for the sake of doing it. it's kind of like marty in that way um so i think straight edge is kind of like the example lifted up here but um, you know, so St. Andrew was, uh, apostle who was crucified on an X shaped cross. So I think it's like an easy kind of transition to like X's on your hand, like straight edge people. But, um, I think the idea broadly is like, not just, um, sticking blindly with something like allowing for mercy, not being so, um, formed to the rigidity of a system or a scene or a subculture or whatever that you can't allow for, for mercy and grace. Um, so that, that, you know, that line about the cross of St. Andrew never meant to take his place. Like we don't need to keep relitigating. Like, you know, if you are of the belief that the crucifixion united God with humanity like that already happened and we don't need to like re-crucify like the grace is already available. So that's kind of how I take it. Um, I think there's a lot going on. That's interesting sort of thematically musically. It doesn't really blow my socks off, but yeah, if it doesn't sound like I have a lot of hot takes on this record, it's <laughs> because it, I um, it's one that I haven't spent as much time with. Yeah. And so like it's, some of the metaphors and, and everything just wasn't, they weren't landing with me. Yeah. Um, no, I definitely kind of poured through these lyrics to make sense of a fair amount of them. Um, yeah. Cause I also had not spent, it was probably like the least listened to album of theirs for me. Um, yeah. Easily for me. So that's so, that one. <laughs> that's that one. Yeah. Um, and then there's a, uh, and then there's like, 30 minutes of <laughs> yeah of a secret track of them like thanking the audience and yeah and but then but they do make a couple live uh songs that we just covered it's true Mayonnaise Taco Monday. 
Solid. And there's another one, another Cheese's song on here. We're going to play the absolute best song we've ever written. <laughs> and, uh, and then if you guys want to go home, you can. Um, so there won't be any of that clapping stuff at the end. Um, this song is the best song we've ever written. It's very important that you listen to the word. <laughs> Good stuff. I did like that there was like one guy in the back, like Poodermobile, Poodermobile, yeah, it's yeah. my jam. <laughs> uh, pretty great. Yeah, there's a. Uh, I mean, lots of live content. We'll go over last week, but uh, yes, this closing half hour <laughs> secret track contains plenty of live stuff that's not on there. So yeah, go through that at your own leisure. <laughs> yeah, we are not gonna <laughs> dissect every uh, every moment. But I did think it was nice for them to take time to include play this. Mobile. <laughs> to play Poonermobile. That was, I mean, I, I, did, I do wish that they played No Grandma Equals No Grandma or <laughs> That yeah. Tastes Horrible or even, nice. praise, even Praise the Lord. <laughs> your, your number three favorite off that album? My number three. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I like how uh, Leonor has to remind some of them to thank their wives or think it's done thanking their parents and stuff. Um, anyway, it is nice that they, they take the time to thank the folks who don't always get thanked. Um, well, that is the end is near. I'm very curious to hear people's thoughts about this one. And uh, yes. you can share those at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. And give us a rating or a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. You can email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 872-762-4763, 8727-MAGPOD. Boom, bam. Uh, you can support us at patreon.com slash magnifiedpod. Pick up some merch at magnifiedpod.storyenvy.com. And thank you very much to our shadow producer on Original Vinyl. Thanks to Heavy Ordnance Studios and Danny Leary for our artwork. And, well, time is winding down. But mm-hmm. only for this up. We want you to be found enjoying the next up when we'll discuss The End Is Here. Wizard needs food. Bad night. Come to expect that.